we've been going through uh, a series. We started a series actually last week uh, about um, people, and we've been looking at the life of Joseph uh, in regards to that series and tying it into the things that he went through and the lessons that we can learn from his life. And if you remember, for those of you who were here or listened online, um, I said, why don't you take, take the opportunity to read through Genesis 37 to 50. Did anybody take me up on that? Yeah, a couple of you. Now, I'm sure when you read those, you were like, this is the craziest family ever, isn't it? Now, we're going to skip Genesis 38, because if you remember that one, that one's just totally whacked out. And... Um, it speaks to how messed up his family is as well. Now, because we're taking the story, and if you remember the story we, that we were at, we were at Joseph being hated for, by his brothers because he has dreams of his, of his brothers bowing down to him and his parents bowing down to him. And even if the dreams are from God, he's viewing them in a way that, that uh, shows his entitlement, even though he's the youngest born at this point. And there he is going to his, his siblings, going, you're all going to bow down to me. Parents are going to bow down to me. I'm pretty awesome, even though I'm the youngest. And we left the story with his, his brothers um, almost killing him, but instead deciding to sell him into slavery. So this, the story kind of like splits here as far as the rest of his family and Joseph. And while we're tracking with Joseph, chapter 38 is just a microcosm of the fact that that it wasn't great for them either. That the choices that they made, the, the decision of betrayal and selling the brother into slavery uh, led the family into hardship as well. And so we, we, we can take note of that while we still track along with Joseph. Um, and again, we're looking at this to see how God can build this house. It's great to read what God has written in the Word then, uh, and it has, it has application for those who it was first written for, but it was all also written for us. And so we pull out the application for us. And we feel one of the ways he wants to grow us is helping us grow in how we deal with people and how we deal with circumstances, how we treat people dur- during these circumstances that we have, and how different people who go through different things have a part to play in our growth. Some, it's going to be good ways. Some, it's going to be challenging ways. Because everybody makes choices in life about where they want to go and how they want to handle the circumstances that they face. Joseph, in his privileged life, he saw a God-given dream turn into a nightmare. Right? And we looked at, and we ended with the idea of this, that we, we need to look at our need to confess pride. Or like his brothers, envy and jealousy. We looked at taking ownership of whatever percentage there is of ours in conflict. We looked how we could grow in humility, not be like Joseph who used his dreams as ways to lord it over his brothers. And we looked at needing to be reflective and finding out why things are the way they are in our hearts. Why are we feeling these things? Get to the root of that so we can solve those issues. Again, uh, as we looked at Joseph and his, and his, his, his trajectory, and we've, we've gone through that already, the quote that uh, we're going to pull up here on the screen for you to follow, just so I can track with Jono at the back there, 
is this, whom you are becoming is directly connected to the choices you are making. Who you are is directly connected to the choices you are making. And while hopefully and most likely we're never going to face the same circumstances that Joseph has faced, and while we may be tempted to shift blame in our circumstances that happens and, and it's not our fault or, or things happen a certain way and it's left us in this position, or worse, uh, we believe that our relationship with God is directly corresponds to our circumstances. When things are going well, that means our relationship with God is going well and he's blessing us and everything's going well. And when things are not going well, then... God's forsaken us and God has left us and what is God doing and why doesn't he like me anymore? And it's God's fault in those circumstances. And it is true though, circumstances matter greatly, but choices are what have the greatest influence and that is within our control. So many movies, when you think of it, they make their plot out of people quote-unquote, not having a choice in circumstances, don't they? They must pay that ransom by robbing a bank, right? They must, they had to start a life of crime because their mom was sick and needed medicine and they started, they needed to steal in order to get it for her. Or how many times have you heard something like this in a movie? No, I have to do this on my own. You hear that all the time, don't you? doesn't matter if it's a TV show or a movie. You know, they go there and they're like, no, I have to do this on my own. You know, which always leads to their, you know, impending doom unless that person doesn't listen to their, you know, no and still follows them, right? But it's the same plot in all these shows and movies. But it's a theme that we often pick up in life, whether that's life imitating art or the other way around. We do this ourselves. We allow our circumstances and feelings to dictate our choices. And oftentimes, we then do the same thing. We push people away and say, I have to deal with this alone, which is the opposite of what God asks us to do. He asks us to do it in community, to do it with openness and vulnerability. You are becoming, who you are becoming is directly connected to the choices you are making. God is with us, and he will walk alongside us as we walk through circumstances that are a result of our actions or the actions of others or just just a broken world. Like we said last week, what God allows is never to be confused with what he approves. Maybe like Joseph uh, and the, the, the dream that you've had for life, or the plans that you were, you were following or anything like that, they just they haven't happened the way that you thought they would. Or worse, they've been undermined and destroyed. Sometimes Some of them by you, some of them by others. We often want to grip and hold on to that dream even tighter when it seems to be fleeting away from us, don't we? And it can make us bitter. And it can make us disillusioned, afraid, skeptical, and sometimes even faithless. And just like with Joseph, as we'll learn, the Lord will be with us. 
Yet we also need to learn that in circumstances where we are forgotten or seem to be forgotten, there are three choices that can be character-defining tests for us. So let's pick up the story in Genesis chapter 39, 1 and 2. Now Joseph had been taken to Egypt. An Egyptian named Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guards, brought him or bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man serving in the household of his Egyptian master. Sounds great. Sounds like, you know, things are maybe turning, turning better. But Joseph isn't where he desires to be. The dream that he had has been let go of, but the Lord was still with him. And yet, God with us doesn't feel like it at times, does it? In fact, we have a tendency to see God through our circumstances rather than seeing our circumstances through who God is. See, following Jesus is often a tension between trusting him when going through what doesn't feel like his presence or his plan, but he is present and in his plans and in the broken ones. He promised to never leave you nor forsake you. See, God sees Joseph where he is. And God is with Joseph. Joseph is not alone, even though he's in a foreign land. In these circumstances, God is forming his character. As most often, character formation happens far from our dreams. See, our first choice is this. It revolves around trust. And the trust test is this. Can you trust God sees and is with you? Can you trust that God sees and is with you? And this leads us to the second choice that we have when facing uh, dream-crushing circumstances. In verse uh, 3 and 4, it says this, When his master saw that the Lord was with him, that the Lord made everything he did successful, Joseph found favor with his master and became his personal attendant. Potiphar also put him in charge of his household and placed all that he owned under his authority. Now, I am sure for Joseph in this situation, favor still doesn't feel fair. He's still enslaved. He's doing well. Everything he touches turns to gold, but it's not his gold. He doesn't get to touch any of that. It's his owner's gold. So how does that still feel favor, feel fair? Imagine being able to produce great crops if you're a farmer, but none of them were yours. Imagine being able to sell tons of cars, but you never got any commission on them. Imagine living like that. Still wouldn't feel fair, even though you have all this quote-unquote favor. In verse five to six, we read this. From the time that he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. The Lord's blessing was on all that he owned in the house and in his fields. He left all that he owned under Joseph's authority, and he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Imagine that. You're in charge of everything. 
everything. The boss has left you in charge of everything, but you get no reward for it. Wow. Doesn't seem like an amazing situation. We read it and go, wow, this guy's doing pretty good. He's moving up the chain of slavery. Doesn't, doesn't quite compute. We, f- we kind of forget that because we modernize it and to think of it in our corporate world that he's moving up, he is moving up the chain, but he's still a slave. So there's two things we can gather here. The first is this. It's a faithfulness test. Are you being faithful with all that God places in your hands? Despite the circumstances, despite who gets the reward for it, are you being faithful with what God has placed in your hands? This Egyptian master doesn't know or follow the same God that Joseph does. Same, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob slash Israel. But he can see that God is with Joseph. And even though Joseph might not see how much God is with him, Joseph is faithful with what is placed into his hands. And he is entrusted then with more. So while favor might not feel fair to you, God's favor His fragrance on your life can be evidence for others. So here's four questions for you that can maybe help with the the, uh, faithfulness uh, in your life. The first one is this. Am I faithful with the relationships God has placed in my life? Am I faithful with the gifts, abilities, and skills that God has placed in my life? Am I faithful with the finances God has placed in my life? And fourth, am I faithful with my attitude where God has positioned me in my life? Tough. Are we being faithful? The second thing we can see in that section there is Joseph in his faithfulness saw God's blessing being poured out. And while he saw some residual benefit, he wasn't the primary recipient of the blessing at all. Often when God wants to bless, he has people be the blessing to others. And blessings don't often flow right to us from God, but God uses us to flow blessings to others. God is asking us to bless others. A blessing to be a blessing. When we see how often or how Jesus describes those who are blessed in the Beatitudes, All the things we associate with blessing don't make that list, do they? Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Doesn't sound like blessed are those who have a big bank account. Blessed are those with lots of cars in the driveway. Blessed are those who have lots of extra properties and cottages and things like that. Doesn't sound like that at all, does it? Proverbs 15, 16 says this, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Being a blessing and having quote-unquote blessings, something that we need to make sure we focus on properly to understand what blessing is really all about. A better choice would be to handle it like Joseph and see how God uh, with you can become a blessing for others. Remember, again, that biblical stories use characters as vehicles to show the choices they would make 
And as, as Scripture invites us to examine our own choices. And they also, again, use the physical characteristics if they are intentional uh, in the story. And this leads us to the third choice that we have when our dreams seem to have dissolved. Verse 6 and 7 says, Now Joseph was well built and handsome. So he looked like me, I think. (laughs) Why are you laughing? (laughs) You found that too funny. (laughs) All right. After some time, his master's wife looked longingly at Joseph and said, sleep with me. Now, the Old Testament writers, they include the description about Joseph. It shows us that lust looks at others differently than love. Love looks, or lust looks at uh, others differently than love. See, love, which is God, right? God is love, is with Joseph even when life is unfair. And faithfulness is with Joseph even when his favor mostly benefits others. But lust is nothing like love. And it is the opposite of faithfulness. Think of that, right? Joseph has done all this stuff and, and, and is, has brought all this greatness and wealth to his, his, his uh, master. And his master's wife starts looking at him and wanting something that, that she shouldn't have and that doesn't belong to her in that way. Lust originates in the eyes. His, his master's wife looked longingly at Joseph. And listen to what Jesus has to say about where lust originates. He says in Matthew 5, 20, 5, 28, But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. This proposition doesn't just happen once. It happens time and time again. In Genesis 39.10, she spoke to Joseph day after day, but he refused to go to bed with her. She sees Joseph one way, as an object. And Joseph sees this situation totally differently. And Joseph is now facing a third test, a choice of integrity. You see, integrity is, will you touch what is not yours to touch? It's so insightful how Joseph responds to her in, in these, uh, these moments. In verses 8 and 9, it says, But he refused. Look, he said to her, he said to his master's wife, With me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in his house, and he has put all that he owns under my authority. No one in this house is greater than I am. He has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do this immense evil, and how could I sin against God? Integrity honors God and others. Joseph sees his master's wife, but what he has also learned about pride in his life, what happens when pride directs his steps. So he pauses and he sees this moment from God's perspective and from his master's perspective and says, no. Nothing has been withheld from me except you. Joseph knows that there's no right way to do a wrong thing. Verses 17 to 20 says this. When, then she told him the same story, mean, the him meaning uh, her husband Potiphar. 
The Hebrew slave you brought to us came to make a fool of me. But when I screamed for help, he left his garment beside me and ran outside. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, These are the things your slave did to me. He was furious and had him thrown into prison, where the king's prisoners were confined. So Joseph was there in prison. Joseph, with his choices, passes the trust, faithfulness, and integrity tests. On earth, passing trust and faithfulness, integrity tests are not always rewarded. There's no gold medal for doing that. But in heaven, they are always recorded. God sees what we do. God sees when we make the right choices. And there, there is no, like, you know, achieved thing. It's not like some video game where you pass a certain level and a music plays and, you know, you've achieved certain status and you watch your point totals go up really fast or something like that. It's not like that. You often just take the next step in life. You often just keep moving forward because they are integrity and trust and faithfulness tests. If there was a reward after it, those tests aren't quite what they seem to be. You are just doing something for a reward rather than living with trust and faithfulness and integrity because they are their own reward. Even though he does the right thing in each of these situations, Joseph will remain in prison for over a decade. The entire time Joseph is in jail, there is no record of Potiphar's wife ever telling the truth and coming clean with what happened. Joseph's life now is enslaved to two powerful lies that others tell about him. One lasts 17 years and the other lasts a decade. See, often when we make choices that pass the test, we look for our reward, and then it doesn't come. Sometimes we press on, but more often we give up. We begin to think that maybe God's even to blame. That's so not true. He may not cause it. He may not stop it, but he is with you all the way through it. We just need to stay with him and abide in him. In John 8, 31 to 32 says, if you abide in my word, which is Jesus, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Even if you're stuck in a situation, even if it's holding you back, you can have freedom inside because you are abiding with Christ in the truth that he is. You can feel the freedom of Christ even when you feel locked up in situations beyond your control. So like Potiphar's wife, do you look at what's not yours with envy or lust? In a position of authority like Potiphar, do you treat others as your possessions, as less than you? Or like Joseph, have you made the right choices and yet there was no reward? Know this. You can take heart because there is a gigantic difference between being forgotten and forsaken. Genesis 39, 21 says this, but the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. Regardless 
of whom you see yourself in this story. Regardless of that, we are all facing character-forming choices or tests. So as we close today, you're left to wonder and contemplate these three tests in your life this week. The trust test. Can you trust that God sees you and is with you? The faithfulness test. Are you being faithful with all that God places into your hands? And the integrity test. Will you touch what is not yours to touch? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you say that you will never leave us or forsake us. That there's no place that we could hide from you. There's no place we we could go that you would not be there. No matter how hard our circumstances get, no matter what trouble we find ourselves in, no matter what adversary comes against us and seems to be looking for our destruction one way or another, you are there with us. It may be happening, and you may have allowed it, but you never approve of these things, or it doesn't mean you approve them. They're just happening. But what we can see is that you will use these moments to help us build our character, to build our trust in you, to build our integrity, and to build our faithfulness in you, God. So God, I just pray that this week we would take a look at how you are uh, testing us. You are growing us so that we can look more like you. Because you say you will test us. You will allow us to go through things that refine our character and help us to reflect your image. So God, may we embrace those tests in all circumstances, may we see that you are with us and that sometimes you're carrying us through us. You are extending kindness to us as we follow you and trust you in them. And God, we just, again, we just thank you for your, your presence in our lives. And God, I just pray that if anyone here just wants to uh, I'll allow for your presence to lead and guide them, They want to trust you with their life. The circumstance of of life has tossed them, has pushed them around, and they've potentially lost faith in you or, or have never really had faith in you. But in this moment, they want to put their trust and faith in you. God, we stand with them. And we pray, God, that that they you would be the savior of all of our lives. That we would put our trust in you. Because you are faithful. You are true. You will never leave us. And we thank you for this, Jesus. Amen.